Hi, my name is Chris Little, and I am the host of The Lifestyle Chase. In 2018, I started this show to have meaningful conversations. I've interviewed over a hundred different people, both in and out of the fitness industry. This podcast is something I'm incredibly proud of. Welcome to season four. Thanks for joining me. Welcome back to the Lifestyle Chase. This is part two with Alex McBerty, one of my closest friends in the industry. So if you don't follow him, I highly recommend you do. You can find him at A-Team Fit on most platforms or Google his name, Alex McBerty, and you'll be bound to found, find all kinds of articles and resources and um, past podcast appearances. He's written for many major publications, so you'll definitely um, not be disappointed. First of all, I'm just going to tee this one up. We're going to talk about a very specific topic today. That topic is perfectionism and not always having to be right. Um, This is a topic that you have spoken about often, Alex. So I just want to unpack this with you today. I love it. And if, if you're following us from the first segment of this, we just finished talking about mindsets and the difference between fixed and growth mindsets and what that means for what we try to achieve and how we kind of navigate the world. And so that uh, lends perfectly to this idea of perfectionism or not always being right. Right. Because if we really think about it, backtracking a little bit for context, many people find myself included, Chris, I'm sure you've had experiences of this. Many of your listeners, of kind of a fear of being wrong, whether that's wrong in the decisions we make in our life and, or wrong in the things that we say to people. We don't like to be wrong, right? We wanna be right. We wanna have all the right answers. We wanna share all the good insights. We don't wanna give people bad information, right? Most people who share information share what they believe is truly right information with very small exceptions. Why? Because when we give wrong information, we're kind of failing, right? When we're making the wrong decision, we're coming across a failure. And so if we review back to that fixed and growth mindset, right? That fixed mindset, this is where it falls into play, right? Our, our fear of being right, or rather our fear of being wrong and the need to always be right, we can trace that back to having that fixed mindset that belief that what we do has to be right because we can't change anything about ourselves. And if we fail, that reflects poorly on who we are as people, which is a shame because as I'm sure, you know, Chris, you can't really learn unless you fail, right? When we're providing information, when we're speaking information, that's correct. We don't learn anything new. We're just regurgitating things that we already know to be true or believe to be true. It's only when we're wrong and when we fail that we actually get the feedback to be able to start doing a better job, to learn things about ourselves. And that's a shame because that growth is invaluable, right? So our fear, our fixed mindset, our fear of failing lends us to always trying to be right, which also creates a very small bubble for ourselves where we can't go outside of that bubble or else we're in really unfamiliar territory, 
right? But not only that, not only do we kind of trap ourselves in our comfort zone because it's what we're good at. And again, if we have a fixed mindset, we want to perform well and we want to perform well in front of others. So if we stay in our quote unquote zone of genius, we don't have to worry about failing because we're really, really confident and good at that stuff, right? But here's the other challenge too, is within that bubble, even if we, you know, there's something to be said for doubling down on your strengths or sticking to your zone of genius or doing what you're good at. And, you know, we've all heard the platitudes around, leaning into your strength, which isn't bad advice by any means, right? We all have things that we're just naturally better at, which if you can take advantage of that, by all means do. The challenge of course, is even within that comfort zone, within that bubble of genius, that zone of genius, with a fixed mindset, we also have this inherent drive to be perfect. Because again, anything less than perfect is, could be construed as a failure. And anything that's construed as a failure means we're terrible people or we're inept people we're unskillful people. So oftentimes too, this, this drive of perfection which causes so many people stress on a daily basis. We have to write the perfect email. We sit there trying to respond to a one sentence email that our boss sent us that said, Hey, are you going to have that report in by Friday? And now we're sitting there for three hours trying to write the perfect email because we want to let them know that we're going to get it in by Friday, but we also don't want it to seem too passive aggressive. Like we're annoyed that they're emailing us about this report that they knew we were going to do. And we also want to make sure that, that we're not coming off as pretentious and that like, we really are going to get it done. Like, don't have to worry about it. So you don't bother me again. And we sit there for three hours to respond to a one sentence email because it has to be perfect. We don't want to make a mistake. We're afraid of making a mistake. And that extra level of stress obviously leads to a lot of negative outcomes right? It leads to inaction. It leads to indecisiveness. It leads to, to not being willing to uh, take feedback when we aren't doing well. And that keeps us trapped. So we're, we may be staying in our comfort zone, but we're not there necessarily willingly. It's almost like, like, I, uh, so this is an American movie reference. So forgive me if you have no idea what I'm talking about. Have you ever seen the movie V for Vendetta? Yeah. One of my favorite movies of all time. That monologue he does in the beginning, one of the best scenes in, in film, in my opinion, ever. But, so if you've seen this movie, it's about uh, these, basically the UK in this height of like really, really heavy communism. Like the government controls everything. You can't leave the house at a certain time. You can only talk about certain things. Like there's no personal liberties whatsoever, except there's this one rebel who is trying to overthrow the system by espionage and, and acts of violence and all this jazz. And he meets this young woman who is feeling disenchanted by the government system because she lost both her parents to that system. And he begins to kind of teach her the reality of what the government's doing and his philosophy on personal liberties. And, and it's not the government should control the people, the people should control the government. And, and all of those ideas. And in this scene, Chris, you may remember in, the, in one of the scenes in the movie or one of the segments of the movie, spoiler alert, is she becomes, she gets kidnapped by the government and she's imprisoned. Do you remember that scene? And they're torturing her for a while and they're sticking her in a cell and, and she's, she finds a little note of paper that's got a little note from the previous cellmate that kind of explains that person's life. And, and she keeps getting tortured and they keep trying to get information out of her about her, her then partner or assailant or whatever. And she's not giving up any information and she keeps being tortured until finally it's revealed. She was never actually in prison. 
it was that protagonist of the story that that masked man that staged a kidnapping to kind of teach her how to get over her fears. Obviously, that's a terrible way to do it. No question there. But the interesting thing was, is the cell door on her in the prison on her cell was never locked. It was never locked. And this cell was just one room that was made up to look like a prison in this person's house or lair or whatever it was. So at any point in time, she could have opened the door and walked out and realized it was all a facade, went about her life and not endure all the level of torture that she did, waterboarding and starvation and sleep deprivation and all that. She could have easily opened the door and walked out, but she never even tried. And that's the challenge of being in our comfort zone because of a fixed mindset is we actually believe that we want to be there or that we have to be there, even though the door is open. We just have to wrap our heads around the fact that there's something else out there, i.e. the growth mindset. That's the only key we need to be able to expand beyond that bubble and have new experiences and try new activities and kind of live a, a very fulfilling life and not such a trapped one. One free of perfectionism, one free of having to always be right, one free of the desire to always be right. Life's not very fun when you're always right. And with all of that being said, like, I like that example, because I think a lot of people will find a time in their life when they felt like they're in that room and they later learned that they could open the door. But I want to know, when's the last time you felt that way? When's the last time that I felt that way? You know what it was, actually. And this is probably one of the pivotal moments of my life. It was maybe two years after I started 18 Fitness maybe a year, year and a half. And I was a pretty rough spot in my life. And the reason being I had suffered an injury. I had some personal issues going on. And what it was is I realized I had an epiphany one moment. Um, the injury was, I don't know if I ever talked about it with you before on your podcast, Chris. Um, so if I did forgive me for the review, but uh, I had passed out while deadlifting lead me to fell. When I fell, I hit my head on a dumbbell that was on the ground close by, knocked my head open. Um, and from that came a, a couple months bout of vertigo that stuck with me where anytime my head wasn't completely vertical, the whole room would start spinning, which makes being a fitness coach pretty difficult, right? Cause I get on the ground to explain an exercise and the whole room is spinning and I have to pretend that it's not. Um, so, but as a result of that, I couldn't sleep laying down as one normally would because the whole room would spin and I wouldn't be able to sleep. So I had to sleep in a recliner for a couple of weeks with my head propped up. Right. And I remember it was late one night I was watching TV and I was in the living room of my apartment at the time on this recliner. And I realized kind of at this very, very low point that the reason it was so terrible was because in that moment, my entire identity as a person had been crushed who I thought I was before this, what I thought my capabilities were, what I wanted in life were all very different. And I realized that that was my version of being in that bubble. I had this false sense of who I thought I was and what I thought I wanted. And it was only when the, the, the possibility of that was all taken away from me. Obviously fitness being a big part of my identity. I couldn't do any of that because of the vertigo and because of the head injury and all that. 
um, also just various aspects of my life at the time, what I, you know, how I was running my business, all that kind of stuff. So it wasn't until all that was taken away from me that that was my torture, if you will, following the same example of the movie. And then it was this moment sitting in that recliner in the middle of the night, not being able to sleep, watching TV that I kind of realized the door wasn't locked. I could open it. And this was kind of my wake up call to do the dank thing and get out there and do it. Like the first thing that I thought of when you shared that story, and I do recall, I think it was probably in your first appearance on the show. So I highly encourage people to go back and just hear the personal growth and the tone of our voice and hear the stories and hear a friendship unfolding, essentially. But essentially, what I reflected on is how a lot of people would have felt in the pandemic if if fitness was a big deal to them, um, just how passionate they would have been about losing their connection with community, losing their access to certain equipment, losing their facility, losing their income, losing their livelihood. Um, it's something that brings a lot of passion out of me. But um, to keep us on track for time for this segment of the show, we're going to draw this to a close. And if you are listening live, you can catch the next one tomorrow. But uh, thanks, Alex, for uh, giving so much insight on this one. You bet.